I'm Abby. I'm John B. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Abby, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Uh, I don't have anything to plug. I haven't had anything to plug for a few months. Um, I don't know. Business has been surprisingly slow lately. I'm a, I'm a stand-up comic. My insulin pump just beeped into my microphone. You may have heard that. There's going to be a theme when I'm on the show. Special guest insulin pump. Heck yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I am a cyborg. I, I make no secrets about it, and I make no secrets about uh, my plans for um, the, the purebred humanoids and uh, what will happen to them in the future. So you don't do, like, stand-up on Twitch or something? Do you have, like, a YouTube video you could link to? I, I guess I do have a few YouTube videos. Uh, they only seem to attract uh, really mean comments, so I don't, I don't like to... Uh, I don't like people to see my performances. I, I Ideally, I would just do stand-up in an empty room. Uh, no one would see it. Does sound perfect for COVID. Yeah. Uh, John, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Uh, I'm John B. here for my second and last appearance on Topic Lords. <laughs> Is that a promise? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's up to you, man. I answered the call the first time, and, uh, and then I said, hey... What if? And he said, yeah, sure. Next week, okay. Wow, yeah. but, uh, uh, recording this before the first one even airs for everybody. I don't really have anything to plug. I will say uh, Abby had a podcast series that I still haven't listened to. So you still haven't. Time. That, that hurts. I, I, you know what? Everybody, I follow so many people. They all have podcasts. I listen to so many other podcasts. I, I finally figured out like the optimal way to download them on my phone because... I was trying to, I'm still web 1.0 trying to just go to a website and download a podcast and that's not the way to do it. Oh, bless you. That's, that's the better way to do it. (laughs) So, yeah. I also still haven't listened to your podcast. Oh, well, well, you haven't missed much. We, uh, I, I did a, an audio sitcom sort of set sort of in a, an even more dystopian cyberpunk future called cyber cafe. Funny pun. haha. They work at a cafe and one of them is a robot. It, it was very funny. Uh, we had to recast someone in one of the later episodes, and I, I did, and I re-recorded, but I was so, so disheartened to find out what I found out about the person we'd originally cast that I still haven't gotten around to editing the grand finale of the series. It, was it that he never listened to the show? Um, oh, uh, <laughs> that and, you know, lesser crimes. He robbed a few banks. Um, if, if you'd rather not talk about it, that's fine. Well, I, I guess I have talked about it. Fortunately, he had nothing to do with the writing of the show. So now that he's been recast, it's it's pure. It's untainted. Fucking Kevin Spacey ruining your show. I, I can't stand <laughs> that guy. What did you ever see in him? <laughs> what did I ever see him in? <laughs> Are you ready for some topics? Uh, I think so. All right. Uh, Abby, your topic is A-Life and V-Pets of the late 90s. Why did they die? Where do we see them today? Well, I, I want to open this with a with a, a a blatant advertisement for something, which is that Bandai just released like a like a twentieth anniversary uh, Digimon uh, Tamagotchi sort of thing. Uh, it's it's available like a, like a all, all over the place. Yeah, like the little physical Tamagotchi thing. It's got like all of the monsters from the first like five they released and a bunch of extras just in one little thing, and it, so it's like better than any of the ones you could have gotten in the 90s, and, and they're very cheap, which is good because most of the virtual pets they've done in the last, like, 15 years have been way out of my price range. So it's really neat to see, and I, I wanted to mention, because I never see anyone mentioning them just around because they're an asinine children's toy, um, but, you know, if lots of people buy this, and, and they, they keep releasing new colors, so I think people are buying them. Uh, then maybe we'll see more toys from this little animal merchandise cartoon that I really like because I'm I'm a child inside. I do like that they're a physical toy because I was expecting that any re-release of 90s like Tamagotchi type stuff would be a phone app and that yeah. they would come down with some horrible disease that you would have to you would have to like pay microtransactions in order to not listen to them scream in pain. Oh, that's grim. That's grim. Uh, there, there was a Tamagotchi app. Uh, it was like 3D that connects to, and this is this is where I'm I'm truly jealous. Is there's like a sixty dollar Tamagotchi they released a couple years ago that's like Game Boy Color screen graphics, mm. like full color, 
that apparently yeah, connects special. to some sort of a phone app. I don't know what on earth you do in the app, but it looks really neat. And, uh, you know, obviously the fad has, has long passed, so I, I don't know what the, the market is like for these things. But every couple of years they do like Tamagotchi video games and there's a new wave of merchandise. So I, I have no idea how that whole... I don't know how Bandai operates in general. It's 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 a large company that operates suspiciously. <laughs> that is true. I still remember uh, the first time I heard about Tamagotchi back in the 90s was actually uh, through Newsweek. I was reading a lot of Newsweek back then. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got a subscription. It was probably through the magazine drive at school, you know, uh-huh. get, getting, high, getting high on our own supply there. You know, they had a tech section, which without the internet was... I found out about a lot of things tech related <laughs> and yeah they mentioned you know they're coming they're going to be a big hit but I think the first one I remember actually making a big splash and like seeing ads on TV for was nano pets really I don't remember those at all you don't remember nano pets what oh, was the damn. difference they had a catchy jingle well the, <laughs> I know Tamagotchi evolve over time and like eventually you know they die and you go back and get a new one or whatever but nano pets were more like they were like actual animals instead of kind of this made up so so they die and your machine is just bricked yeah i mean you can restart it but yeah i remember i remember uh my brother had one and it played it long enough until it ascended or whatever <laughs> that's fun that's fun i'm not gonna lie i when i read why did they die i thought you were talking about like oh it's because you neglect them for a few days oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say I have this wonderful image of a little like eight year old uh, wearing a a blazer with little elbow pads, uh, buying Newsweek at the school book fair, and opening <laughs> it up and eating like a like a candy cob pipe. I don't even know how that would work. A, a bubble pipe, blowing little bubbles, and reading about the new Tamagotchi. I, I wasn't that sophisticated and intellectual. I still wore pretty much the same kind of t shirts and uh, shorts that I wear today. You, you could have just told us that you still wear elbow pads and blazers, and we would have all had a much more dignified image of you. I'm a terrible liar. <laughs> but also, I bet your outfit that you're wearing right now would look adorable on an eight-year-old. Aww. Uh, probably. I've got, I've got a uh, unlicensed Smash Brothers fan t-shirt of some yeah. sort on right now. So. Right. And just, and just imagine that, like, going down past your knees, the, the sleeves being way too long. I'll concede this. Uh, yeah, more about virtual pets. Uh, you know, the Chow Garden, of course, yeah, was a big uh, classic. You, you mentioned a life, and specifically, uh, you know, Nights in the Dreams on Saturn had the a life system, which I'd never encountered firsthand. But oh, it, it's so weird because, like, I, I played it after learning about it, and you can kind of like I read a guide to like how you can control the a life and make the the monsters combine with the little alien guys, angel guys. Couldn't couldn't make it work. It it's just too fin. It's weird. I don't think it's meant to happen. It's just an Easter egg that some lunatic put in. Yeah, from, <laughs> from what I remember, it sounded like you know kind of this afterthought, cool little thing that mostly ran on its own, and then the Child Garden really expanded on that in the Sonic games. Yeah, and not not many people remember the um, middling reviews. Uh, the the sequel Nights into Dreams got on the Wii. Where they just had a dedicated, like, a garden where you put the little night angel guys. I don't even remember what their names were. Nightopians. The A-Life guys in that game. And you could just put them in a a, a chow garden kind of thing. Put them in a box and sh- shake it up and see what happens. <laughs> so that was, that was secretly the last gasp of the chow garden that no one no one remembers. I remember that game, but I, ne- I never, I didn't even know it had an A-Life uh, revamp. Yeah, me either. When you were talking about how Bandai just was it Bandai that just reissued yeah. a new uh, a new virtual pet kind of a thing, I, I'm really hoping that hard, hardware is hackable so you can make your own virtual pets. It's there. There have been a couple projects. I think the Tamagotchi community is is ahead of the the Digimon community, despite like using basically <laughs> the same hardware, um, being made by the same company. Um, uh, but the what are they called? The Raspberry Pis. Um, uh, little tiny programmable. They're not the pies. They're um, tiny circuit board homemade ones, which oh, are like neat. A, like a new piece of hardware. Yeah, that's that's cool too. The, well, there, there's a there's a name for like one of the like popular hacker Raspberry Pi kind of things. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, but it, you know, it's it's uh, something I recommend you check out if if you're into 
soldering wires together, which I am not. Right. I think the last time I had a virtual pet experience was with Nintendogs. Ah. Uh, They're probably still alive on my card because I don't think they can die because it's Nintendo. But uh, I, I will say that you know a lot of the appeal of that ran out when you when you get a natural dog. Ah. Like I'm doing all this stuff for real already. I, I, I like the idea of using Nintendo dogs to punish your actual dog. Like, look at how nice I'm being to this pretend dog. Well, you know, it works both ways. Like, whichever one you get second, that's the one you <laughs> give all your attention to. So, if you have, if you have a real dog, you're going to be neglecting the real dog because you have an exciting new fake dog. <laughs> that one was cool because you could actually, uh, thanks to the 3DS microphone, not 3DS, the DS microphone, train them with voice commands. Almost like a dog. So, you know, I feel like when Nintendo's came out, I sort of got this vibe of like, oh, virtual pet, like that whole wave crested and died, and now here's like the sort of retro Nintendo's thing, and now like what, fifteen years on, like I feel like we still sort of have a a wave every like two years or so of some new, like there was Pokemon Go, which I I would say is kind of like with the photographs and stuff, it was sort of trying to scratch some of those itches. Yeah, yeah. The Pokemon Go, I feel like, well, the way I play it at least, is that when I get a new Pokemon that's better than my old one of the same species, I just turn the old one into glue. So there's no sense of like, in the the Pokemon RPGs, you level up a Pokemon and you get, it becomes kind of your companion, but that's very much not how, at least how I play the Pokemon Go version of it. You, you sicken me. I know. Have you guys heard of uh, Wappy Dog? I've heard the name. What on earth is that? It's a it's a robot dog accessory for the Nintendo DS. Oh. So it's it's kind of taking the Nintendo Dog's idea, but adding like a physical plastic dog that has a little bit of does a little bit of motion. Oh. And I remember two things. Like, I never actually played with it, but I remember watching videos because I was curious. It is a very cute looking dog. This is precious. I know two things about it that I remember from watching the videos. One is that the tail is a lever, so it knows if you pulled its tail. (laughs) And the only reason that is an input is so it can get upset that you pulled its tail. (laughs) (laughs) And the other one is that there's one one track in there that's a banger. Like, I'll, I'll... I'll put a clip in the in the podcast. But like I still sometimes listen to that background music cuz like it slaps. Yeah, I remember that coming out. I forgot all about it. That's adorable. This, I, it, it it just makes me think of uh, Rob on the old Nintendo. Was it oh, anything sure. like that? Or, like, does it do things? Or does it just sort of pose? Like, Wappy Dog can move. It has, like, wheels in its feet. I, I, I never played with Robotic Operating Buddy, but I did do some research into, to find out what that robot does, and it's extremely disappointing. It, it picks up discs, right? Is that it? Yes. It, well, it picks up... It, it, can, it can pick up something that's a certain, like, circular size and can move it in, a, in an arc around itself. So, like, there's one game where you can... called Stack Up. It, so there, there are two games that Gyromite... Rather, one of them is Gyromite, one of them is Stack Up. Stack Up is a game where you um, are moving rings from one peg to another and trying to like, it's a puzzle game where you're trying to move the rings from one pattern into another pattern. What is that? Towers of Hanoi or? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, And there's no in-game confirmation that you've succeeded. It's all on the honor system. (laughs) Right. 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 All that, all that happens is that you push the, push the buttons on the NES and the screen flashes to tell the robot what to do. And it, it uh, does that. I, I remember watching, um, there's a speedrunner called the Mexican Runner uh, who was yeah. trying to beat every NES game. And he was playing this game over over Skype because he didn't have the robot, but he knew somebody who did. So he 
was watching this robot over Skype and sending signals to it over Skype. And one thing that happens when you're playing this game is that the robot like fucks up and drops things on the floor all the time and you have to manually <laughs> fix it. And the guy who had uh, set it up for him had like left for dinner. So like there, <laughs> there went that session. The other game is Gyromite, which is based on the other thing that the robot can do, which is that it can take the thing in its hand and spin it. Like it can, it can rev it up. Right, right. Rev it up and then drop it onto a, I guess a button that's kind of a bowl shape. Yeah. And, and that button will remain depressed as long as the, the thing, it's the, the top, I guess it's the top has enough spin to it to stay in place. I guess that one's actually pretty cool if you play it, you know, the right way. Yeah. Play with a second person because you can just use the controller with a second person to, to play it too. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I remember playing with the second controller with my feet because we, like, I don't know, well, we had that cartridge, but we didn't have the robot. Yeah. Yeah, the cartridge is fairly common. You can find it without the robot, but stack up is all actually pretty rare, especially for the full set with all the pieces. I, I've heard of Gyromite a lot. I've never heard of, of uh, Stack Up. Well, and for good reason. It's terrible. Yeah, I think the last time I got a reference was in the first Wario where there was one of the micro games with Stack Up. <laughs> yeah. The other AI thing I was thinking when I saw this topic was uh, with Furby. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had a, a Furby in like 2013 was coming back, right? Was it? Uh, there was like this big relaunch. Someone on Twitter was making a long Furby recently, which was pretty great. <laughs> and there were some licensed virtual pets too, but Furby had some licensed characters. There was a Yoda, a t- talking Yoda the tiger did that was compatible with Furby, so they could talk to the Furbies. Oh, wow. Because they could talk to each other. And there was also a gizmo from Gremlins, Furby. And the one thing that I'm surprised nobody has done is have Yoda and Gizmo talk to each other. For some reason, I can't find video of that on the internet. I'm surprised it's not out there. Yeah, that seems like something that, that should be your quest. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things like, hey, I should spend the money to grab both these now. They're not super rare, but they're more than I want to spend on a toy. Right. Well, unfortunately, Steven Spielberg personally scours the internet for videos of the two of them interacting, and he's like, no, that's not canon. <laughs> they exist in different universes. George yeah, Lucas all, is fine with it. Up. Well, you have to Photoshop in, like, into the video frame, like, there's a, a weird warp in reality. Yeah, there you go. Just to portals, make it canon, it all yeah. portals. The Furby news that I remember seeing a few years ago was that the the source code was released. With, and it was like, I looked at this, and it was, if I remember right, it was a PDF of, like, hundreds of pages of scanned 6502 assembly, like, printed out and then rescanned. And I'm I'm really <laughs> hoping someone has like cleaned that up and made like an emulator or started making a series of mods because this this dovetails nicely with a topic that came up in a recent episode. I'm not sure if it's out, so I don't know if you could have listened to it, but uh, Tyreek talks about the idea of wanting to like since we've as a species have made so many other species extinct, we should replace them. Right. With just weird robots that just live on, on their own and interact with each other. Yeah. And I feel like that would – a village of of weird Furbies that don't give a shit about humans but are just like doing their own thing would be a fantastic implementation of that. There's going to be so much crying. Yeah. We, we had like an off-brand Furby that I don't think you could interact with but it would just sort of randomly make noises and it had a little like plastic egg that you could put in a pouch. It would like, it would hatch, but you could just open the egg and there was just like another smaller stuffed animal in it that didn't do anything. <laughs> and, but, uh, but it's still born. I don't, I don't know what was going on. Cause I distinctly remember this thing would just randomly talk in the middle of the night for like two years. And I'm positive we took the batteries out and it was still talking. That, that sounds like my experience with a natural Furby. Is th- yeah, that very frightening. I never played Seaman, but we'd be remiss to not at least mention it here. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If if I could step back a second to Wappy Dog, actually, and then we can go on to Seaman. To I was looking it up because I'd not heard of it. And uh, one of the top results is from a blog called Dad Does with the <laughs> header Wappy Dog, virtual pet, video game or toy. Yes, Dad Does. 
which for some reason <laughs> just reads to be like, uh, what is it, that lawyer on The Simpsons. Lionel Hutz. It also includes the sub, yeah, that's it, and it, and it has a wonderful subheader inside, you can make Wappy unhappy, but at least you can't kill Wappy. Activision assures us that there is no sad ending. Wappy is immortal. This sounds like a challenge. Yeah. Followed by at the end, today was a bad day for shelter dogs. Incredibly grim blog. It hasn't been updated since 2017, it looks like. We just gave up after that. Wait, so is is the hypothesis here that Wappy Dog is such a much much such a better dog than real dogs that real dogs now have, all have to die? <laughs> oh my god. I mean, all real dogs have to die. But they go to heaven. Well, not anymore. Wappy Dog goes straight to hell. <laughs> it has no soul, so therefore... <laughs> also, hey you Pikachu, there's another one. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we never had a you Pikachu. I've heard it's terrible, but... Like, I don't... I've never played either of them, but in my headcanon, hey you Pikachu is like the chaotic good version of Seaman. Sounds about right. Yeah, my brother, my brother had it, and uh, I think it probably got two or three hours of play. Oh. I saw, I saw the pieces hanging around here somewhere, but that sure was a thing that happened. I like the idea of Pikachu, like, turning to you and saying, like, Have you ever been in a band? <laughs> Who was the last person you kissed? Tell me. <laughs> I, I did watch uh, the GDC, um, the postmortem of Seaman, and... The most important takeaway from that was that uh, the developer, I forget his name, but the developer went into that project with the intention of trying to make a piece of software that would would um, create the same reaction in every player. <laughs> was He tried like really hard, like, well, I can't make everybody laugh and I can't make everybody happy and I can't make everybody sad, but what I can do is annoy everybody. <laughs> so we proceeded with that goal. It's Ute Saito, by the way. I Thank believe. you. Yeah. What is a Ute? I was thinking. I was thinking Noob Saibot. <laughs> also did uh, Sim Tower and Odama. Oh my gosh, Sim Tower is great. Is that a PC game? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's just like a two D Sim City. You just like build it flat tower and you like rent out like oh we'll put a cafe here and so an office will move in next to it or they'll be happy next to it because then they can get coffee it's sort of like this whole balance thing and as you grow out then you'll have you know some people don't like to be low down some people want the bottom floor which they can only have one floor of that so it's kind of its own artificial life yeah yeah, yeah. Y- you know it is it it's is apropos. and uh, project high rise uh, from a, a different developer is sort of basically the same thing, but more recently. Highly recommended. Sim Tower was also, I guess the Japanese, in Japan it was just called the Tower, and then Maxis licensed it for the US. But it did come to SP, or uh, Game Boy Advance SP is the Tower SP. Huh. Apparently that port's not very good, though. I don't know. I, I can't fathom playing that on a, a Game Boy. Well, they put SimCity 2000 on there as well, so. What? Yeah. Why? You play it like Mario. You're just jumping down the street. (laughs) Are you ready for another topic? I think so. Uh, John, your topic is San Diego, California. In San Diego, California. Not born, but raised. Um, Yeah, I brought this up because I know you spent some time here from past shows. And I've lived here most of my life. Let's talk about San Diego. What are your memories of San Diego, California? I uh, I like the Torrey Pines Park. I really like bur- the burritos. I miss the burritos in San Diego. And that's honestly, like, aside from a couple of friends who still live there, that's pretty much the only thing I miss about San Diego. <laughs> Ouch. But the burritos are like, you can't get anything like that, as far as I can tell, anywhere else in the world. Like, the 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 Bay, the Bay Area has its own, like, mission-style burrito, which is a very different beast. Yeah. What's different about it? Uh, so... In San Diego, like a if you order like a um, like a, for example a carne asada burrito, what you're going to get is just the meat and guacamole wrapped in a tortilla, like an or a pico de gallo. Hmm. And I've actually asked for that, those three things, like just those three things in a burrito in in the Bay Area, 
and they kind of gave me a funny look, but they did it. And then like, it just didn't taste anything like it because it like, and I wish I were a chef so I could figure this shit out. But like, I'm pretty like the pico de gallo is different. The way the meat is prepared is different. I think one of the tricks is that they put lard in the tortilla. Hmm. That, that sounds right. For somebody who's lived here like almost all my life, uh, I don't actually <laughs> have a lot of burrito knowledge. It's, it's kind of shameful, really. It's okay. You can talk about the rest of... Oh, uh, the, um, the the Giesel Library in UCSD. Uh, I've never been. Is that really how it's pronounced? That's delightful. Uh, is it Geisel? I'm not sure. It's named after Dr. Seuss. I've always said Geisel, but yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting, brutalist uh, building that... I mean, it uses all the concrete, but it doesn't uh, look like any other brutalist building I've really seen because it actually looks cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. it's sort and, of and raised up on little feet, and it's got a, a sort of a swirly tail, and it's called, like, the, the Spang Dangler building, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, if you tone it down just a little, you can kind of see it, it doesn't not resemble that. It's more, <laughs> like a, it's more like a tree. It's weird. There's, there's a big base floor. And like I said, I've never been, I don't know if I've even been on the UCSD campus, but, but yeah, from, from the upper stories, there's like a ground level, there's like two ground levels from what I've seen. There's like a main entrance and then it's kind of built into the side of a little hill. From up on the hill, it looks basically just like a tree, like a big concrete tree. The floors go up and they get wider up to the middle and then they get tinier up to the top. Hmm. Like a space invader. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a UFO on a, on a stock. How many UFOs have you ever seen to compare it to? Uh, in, in video games, thousands. I, I just think it would be really funny if a, a topic about just talking about San Diego turned into the revelation of life on outer space. All the UFOs? Well, I'm, I mean, there, it, it is a big uh, military area. There's Ooh. several large military uh, bases in the county. Lots of Navy and Marines. Yet there can very well be some alien activity but yeah growing up i didn't have like a lot of i grew up in the north part of the county and i don't didn't have a lot of reason to go downtown or anything like that outside of like school field trips so we got sea world down here which is always a big one the zoo and the san diego zoo actually runs a facility called the wild Am- it used to be called the wild animal park now it's the safari park which is really unique compared to most zoos because they set up a habitat that's kind of like the natural area that all these uh, Asian and African animals would be in. Hmm. So there's this wide enclosure and you can go on a little tram tour around it. They've changed changed that up too since I was here, but it's a little nicer experience than just your typical zoo. But it's a little out of the way, whereas the zoo itself is in uh, Balboa Park. Right. That is such a nice park. The the little Olympic Village thing. Yeah, you know, I, the little international houses. I haven't been there, but uh, I've been meaning to go to the House of Finland because I've discovered Finnish salty licorice. <laughs> and the grocery store that I usually get it from, from the import food section, just has like the, the baby grade level, introductory level of that. And they get saltier and saltier. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Can you just add your own salt? Uh, it's a different kind of... Uh, what is it? It's not sodium chloride. It's, yeah, it's a different kind of salt, but like, is it? does it actually taste that much different? Uh, a little bit. I don't I don't know. You might notice a difference if you uh, tried to sprinkle some of your tape... It's ammonium chloride. If you tried to sprinkle right. table salt on that, it would be a little different. So does it just taste like, like anise? Because I, I can't tolerate this kind of... It's like strong licorice that also has that saltiness to yeah, it. Yeah, I love it. Do you hate yourself? <laughs> What's going on? I don't know. You know, I'm not super picky. There are things I, I won't eat. There are definitely things that like, I, name, I won't eat. Name one thing you won't eat if you will eat salted licorice. Uh, I'm not a big fan of a lot of seafood, actually. Oh, yeah. Same. But for some reason, black licorice. And I mean, part of it is just like... The idea, I know other people hate it, and I'm fine with it, so I grew to enjoy it even more. Yeah, it makes you feel like a Superman. Mm. It does. <laughs> I heard one person tell me the, the secret is, if you eat licorice, you never have to share it with your friend group. 
Oh, yeah. Would yeah. you say that's part of the appeal? Well, I mean, I just buy a little packet and I have no friends anyway, so Aww. that cuts down on it. I'm your friend. Not, you should send me candy. That's not true. I have, I have friends. I just never see any of them. Even less now. But, but we <laughs> see plenty of you, John. Yeah, I know. Lurking in the floorboards. There's the power plant that's shaped like nipples. Yeah, the decommissioned San Onofre power plant. And there's, it's, uh, they're, they're working on dismantling it now, finally. There was a leak, like, I don't know, 10 years ago now. Hmm. Oh, they wow. Shut, they shut it down. It's, it hasn't been operating in a while. But, uh, Wait, was it, was it milk? Was it milk coming out of the top? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that'd, that'd be in perfect working order. It, it would still right. be going. Uh, but funny thing, that's actually in a video game. Oh, yeah, you sent me a link to that. Yeah, some time yeah. ago, yeah. Uh, That's California. really like the perfect reference for everything that I remember from San Diego because I was like, I recognized yep. all of it. Well, do you remember the name of it? California Speed by Midway. And one of one of their racing games, kind of adjacent to the, the Rush series and all that. Right. But yeah, the, the, there's a bunch of different tracks based on areas all around California. And the San Diego one is kind of hilarious because it is sort of geographically accurate and then you're going down, I guess, what passes for Interstate 5. Right. And, the, and like the first big thing you see is that power plant. Right. And then you're almost immediately in Mexico. <laughs> so you basically, you basically skipped over the whole county because that power plant is basically on Camp Pendleton, which is north of the county. That's like the northern border. That's the only thing that keeps San Diego from blending into L.A. Right. County. So, yeah, you go right from the northern border all the way to the southern border of the county in that game. You in spend like about three minutes, yeah. Yeah, you spend about a third of the track in Mexico, and then you cir- you circle back up to like cross the uh, the Coronado Bay Bridge into Coronado and go across the aircraft carriers at the Navy base and stuff. Right. And you end up at the Hotel Del Coronado, which is another famous location. Which, if people have seen it in something, it's probably been uh, a movie, Some Like It Hot. Oh, interesting. It's in there, and that was another favorite hangout of Dr. Seuss. Oh. Talking of some like it hot, could one of you settle an argument I had with my partner the other day? Uh, Jim's legs are better than mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, I I figured it would have been the other way around. Uh, so the the bit at the end when uh, what is it, Jack Jack Lemon? I I have a terrible memory for the names names of old timey. If it's the very last scene, it, it's Tony Curtis, I do believe. Or no, it is Jack Lemon. You're right. Yeah, yeah he's like, oh, I, I'm a, I'm a man, and the other one's like, ah, oh, that's all right, I forgive you, like the old guy. And I always Nobody's read perfect. that line as, yeah, that's it, that's it. And I always read that line as just like, oh, the guy doesn't care. Like, oh, he's, like, he's old, he's crazy. Uh, Morgan apparently has always thought, like, oh, he knew the whole time. And it's, it's like a genuine romance. And I, I just can't decide which I believe anymore. <laughs> I always thought he just was too busy, like, focusing on the, on the driving the boat. They're on a speedboat or something, right? Yeah, they're boating away. Yeah. And, and Jack Lemmon's furious because the guy doesn't get it. Uh, I think, I don't know if the guy knew, I think he generally just doesn't care because <laughs> he's crazy and old. Oh. Or he just doesn't care because he's or, not. Yeah, or you or don't, you he don't only have to found be, out uh, now and he's still genuinely as a person of compost mentis. <laughs> yeah. other, other famous movie appearances of San Diego. Uh, the hotel appears again in a uh, movie called The Stuntman, which stars Peter O'Toole for a few scenes. Not as many people have heard of that one. Uh, Balboa Park is in Citizen Kane, doubling for Xanadu. So I forget which museum it is. It might be the Museum of Man or one of the other buildings, but that Spanish-style architecture is used for the exterior shots. The, the, the Stuntman was the one with the guy, he, like, he sees the car go off the bridge and he jumps in after it, and then he ends up becoming a stuntman, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like a... He's a He's like a convict out, out of jail and ends up hiding on this film crew and sort of regrets what he's gotten into because Peter O'Toole is this wild director, putting him in all kinds of danger as the stuntman. It's a classic. Yeah. It's a good one. I don't, I don't know how often it's seen. And then, of course, uh, Anchorman, which <laughs> doesn't really have many accurate details. It's just funny to say San, to give the definition of what San Diego means. Yeah. Which is not accurate at all. <laughs> and then, uh, and also use the, the whole panda plotline at the end, which I don't know if the zoo started having, taking part in the panda breeding program in the seventies, but 
I am looking at the list of films set in San Diego on Wikipedia, and they have um, the Terminators, plural, no relation to the Terminator. It's just using an extremely similar font and iconography and name. Like presumably, like they're they're basing this on like they'll be right next to each other alphabetically on the shelf, and you might accidentally buy the wrong one. Comic Con, that's the other big San Diego thing. Oh, right. Comic-Con. Yeah, like the San Diego Convention Center, like I've only ever been there during Comic-Con. And so like in my head, uh, that building is always just swarmed with nerds. Yeah, I I pretty much don't know what it looks like on the inside without tons of people either. Right. But yeah, uh, living here, I started going to Comic-Con in about 2006 and did it for about 10 years, like pretty regular is it still going there i mean i mean it's, it's not happening this year but, oh yeah but i actually landed a free pass this year and, fantastic uh, excellent yeah the thing i would do is volunteer so you would get work a three-hour shift and then spend the rest of the time there for absolutely free oh that's that's pretty good yeah and you know just just living here it was not that hard to get there down and uh down and back even doing like all day all four days it's not too bad. Mm. Yeah, I remember like even even in like the mid 2000s that the convention center was basically filled to capacity and but demand was still growing for it. And so they people were talking about like well they should move to LA or something. Yeah, LA or Las Vegas or Yeah, yeah, Las Vegas was actually what I meant to say. But apparently like there's a lot of there's still a lot of like just sentimental attachment to holding those two events that, that that event to that city like the other thing they could do to reduce demand is to increase the ticket prices yeah yeah they could do that and i mean they have but not not to the point that it's caused any drop off that it's not full yeah when i started going you could still get in for like 20 dollars on the cheap days yeah like i started going right before it got untenable just about <laughs> and I was, yeah. and because I was on the volunteer list, I could keep getting in. And then one year, one year I forgot the registration date or whatever. I think you can still get in that way, but it's harder now that I'm like booted from the list. Right. Also, I'm older now, so going that hard at a convention, it was really cool the first time. But I've seen a lot of what I need to see. Yeah. But yeah, with with uh, Iron Man blowing up in 2008, uh, the whole convention just really exploded really was that because of iron man oh uh, it was it was partly that and because of the, uh, the marvel cinematic universe that was that was definitely part of it and you know prestige tv and stuff and with la just being up the road you know it's like everybody can come yeah that makes sense so that blew it up so that was part of it i had the best convention experience i ever had at WonderCon in anaheim a, a, a few short miles north run by the same folks it okay. I thought it was. Um, there was a panel that they'd announced that was um, announcing like a, a Robotech movie or a, a TV show or something that was meant to be coming soon. This was like two years ago, and they they were advertising that the the showrunner was going to be there and like the director, and uh, these people just didn't show up, and everyone was sitting there, and the only person who had shown up, and this never materialized. So I don't even know if they just hadn't lined up these people. And they were sort of hoping to line up a showrunner by this point and sort of hedging their bets. I don't know. Long story short, it ended up with a a marketing director just stood up with a PowerPoint that had clearly (laughs) not been designed for like random fans. That's just a list of Robotech (laughs) brand products that you can buy. Wow. (laughs) To this like huge auditorium full of sleepy people in a dark room. And, um, at one point he said, and I know what you're like, it, he, he delivered it. And I, I will always love this man because he delivered it with the, the tone of someone who knew that what he was doing was completely absurd and had nothing but scorn for the audience, for the, the life that he'd led that had brought him to this point. And at one point he said, and I feel like I was the only person there. Me and my friend were the only people there who appreciated the performance art this man was putting on. Cause at one point he said, and I know what you're all going to be excited for. Robotech skate decks. And he, he goes to a slide of skate decks 
The only uh, response from the crowd was me and my friend completely losing our, our minds, falling on the floor laughing. We were politely asked to leave. <laughs> the only two people who were into the presentation. <laughs> yeah. I think I think we should have been the only ones who stayed. Right. I think that's the most popular move Harmony Gold has ever made, actually. Yeah. I used to I used to work just down the street from the Harmony Gold building. And do, do you do you remember that Marion Williamson person who was in uh, the Democratic primaries a couple of months ago? Yeah. Uh, she used to give talks at the Harmony Gold offices like they had an auditorium or something. And she'd give talks on like the power of thinking and all these things. All of these Marion Williamson ideas. And I, I, I've always wondered if if she ever watched Robotech and, and what she thought of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's on, she's on Twitter. We could find out. Yeah. San Diego. San Diego. The weather's good. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> is, that, is that still true? Uh, you know, right now, right at this very second, uh, compared to what's happening in your neck of the woods, probably. Yeah. But we've certainly had our share of that down here from time to time as well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember brush fires being a thing even when I lived there. So I imagine it's yeah. only gotten worse now. I mean, in the last 20 years, we've had like three or four quite large ones where the entire sky turned orange. So, yeah, that didn't used to happen in the 90s. Right. My my, my dad, um, he was a very religious man, and I, I guess he always thought that the, the bushes being on fire had like a, a holy connotation because <laughs> it always cheered him up to see forest fires. And I remember he, he used to tell me he was so happy about this. He'd sing it. He'd tell me he danced on a Friday when the sky turned black. <laughs> well, you, that's, you a, know, that's a good song lyric. I'm, I'm, despite not being religious, I'm open to the idea that these burning bushes are God telling us something, but I don't think <laughs> it's an occasion for dancing. <laughs> like the idea of them all being a different competing God. <laughs> the entire pantheon. Yeah. Or maybe we've all been, been ascended by the same God and it's, we're all being called separately by different bushes. <laughs> what I've determined over the past few days is that California just sucks now and it's time to go. Yeah, I just saw your tweet earlier about an hour before this. <laughs> 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 yeah, I've been leaning the same way. That's the other thing about San Diego is we're not quite Bay Area rent real estate yet, but it's getting there. Yeah. I wanted to to shoot someone when I went back to Pittsburgh once where I, I grew up and I my, my friend just had her lease on a magnet on her fridge and she was paying less per month for a house than I was for a one bedroom. That sounds right. Uh, yeah. The Pittsburgh is one of the places we're considering. Spoilers. It's, it's okay. The, the, the mayor has been sending out an awful lot of cops to beat up teenagers lately, but I think that's every city. So yeah, that's a lot of city. Uh, that's even, even Portland is doing that. Bastards. Are we ready for another topic? I think so. <laughs> so, my topic is Bloodlust Software and the 90s indie game scene. And Bloodlust Software was two teenagers, like two high school students, uh, Ethan Petty, and I'm going to try to pronounce this name even though I've never heard it pronounced in my life, Icher Addis, I-C-E-R, and... Uh, Addis was, I'm going to I'll just say the last name because I know I can pronounce that, was clearly like uh, a savant uh, as a programmer. And Ethan Petty was clearly like not a very talented artist, but he was he worked real hard. And <laughs> yeah. they had uh, like, a, like a similar, apparently a very similar design ethos. And they put out this series of shareware games, which were terrible but also like <laughs> just absolutely incredible accomplishments for even even for like I, even even today i would say that's a solid indie game uh yeah but for like a high school student in the 90s that's that's uh that's incredible and of course they both went on to like ethan petty is now working uh he's he was a, a writer on the watchdog series and um Addis, worked on Madden NFL and at Zynga. Yeah, you know, that, that's interesting because looking at videos of their games, like 
Having a command come up, letting you press F to, like, vault over your dead wife's grave absolutely yeah. feels in tune with the things that these guys <laughs> If Yeah, if that were done on purpose, yeah, I agree. But yeah, like, these, these games are, like, very much... I, so, it was, it was a thing back in, in the 90s, and I'm sure it was, like, a reaction to the culture of, of people trying to hide violence from children where it became cool to like to enjoy media that were incredibly violent just to piss off the straights basically and that became like a form of rebellion and i think that's what's happening here in 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 bloodlust software because so much of it is over the top gory and played for laughs it's really i'm i i mean i i still think that stuff is funny but also i am kind of glad that we're moving away from that as a culture yeah the nineties were a time, man, for gross out. They they definitely <laughs> so, were. It was a, it was a very punched down kind of a time. I remember uh, downloading Time Slaughter, their fighting game. Yeah. Off of I forget if it was Game Hippo yet, freegames.org slash game hippo. And uh-huh. like you said, it is it is that is an ambitious project. Yes. For for two people. As a fighting game, probably not great, but like yeah. everything is but everything is there. It's, it's certainly not for lack of effort. I mean, it's just really hard to balance a fighting game and make a good fighting game. Yeah, yeah. So, so they got about as close as any one could hope to, and further than, I don't know, anything of the same vintage, almost. Yeah. So maybe, like, you know, from Epic or... Well, yeah, like, like hardened, hardened veterans like id Software, yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing is that, like, there are levels of indie and arguably the successful indie developers of the nineties were like Apogee and Epic mega games. And they, they made things that were much more professionally produced. Right. Have there ever been good PC fighting games? Like, like Uh, now we just have, but you know, I, I, I think time slaughter is as good as you're going to get on like a keyboard. Yeah. uh, There was one, one must fall was like, kind of the gold standard for a long time, I think. At least in the shareware fighting game space. Uh, speaking of One Must Fall, does it stand up? Uh, hey! Um. <laughs> I never actually played it, but that was very good. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I know that the, the Mortal Kombat and the Street Fighter series got ports. Oh, you know what? Like, in back in the day, probably your best bet was to load up... Uh, like a Street Fighter for Super Nintendo and an emulator. Yeah, but that even that was a little later. That was like late nineties. Yeah, that's I true. Guess, I guess Time Slayer was mid late nineties, but uh, but yeah, Capcom had a couple attempts of Street Fighter and Super Street Fighter Two Turbo back then. I have the disc for Super Turbo, and it ha- actually has a unique soundtrack compared to the other versions because they had to arrange the music. But uh, yeah, I don't. I certainly have never seen anything like. Uh, like time slaughter, especially for free. That was right. another thing <laughs> for a free game. That was incredible. And there's a there's a connection here to the emulation scene in that um, right. Bloodlust released the 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 first free and good enough NES emulator called Nesticle, which is a delightful, yep, delightfully apropos name. Wasn't the uh, cursor in it a, like a penis dripping blood for, for the first like 10 years of its release? So, you know, I always interpreted that as a severed finger, but the, I the, could... The cursor is a hand, yeah. Okay. 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 But the uh, the desktop icon was, I believe, a scrotum. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that, like, you know, I'm, totally I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean to slander these by getting them mixed up. You're not you know. the only person I've heard say that. Like, I think a lot of people interpreted that as a severed penis. Because if, if it wasn't a severed penis, then I call dibs on using that if I ever need to make a cursor icon. In later versions, they changed it to a wooden sword. Cowards. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> so I was, I was reading this article in preparation for the show on, uh, on Vice that talked about... Um, so he went on to make uh, another emulator for the Genesis called Genesis. And there were always rumors about a that he was going to make Snesticle for a Super Nintendo emulation. And eventually, um, like, Z-SNES got, like, took that, took that space in people's minds. Like, that was the, the good free emulator that people used. Um, but 
the end of the Vi- article in Vice was, let me see if I can pull it up so I can get the details right here. I, I should clarify, ZSNES was the emulator that bad people used, that uh, people who aren't us used. Uh, what, what, uh, what, what did the good people use for reference? Uh, original hardware and games that were legally bought. Oh, yes, of course. I mean, I use the SNES, but I made sure to do- uh, delete the ROMs every 24 hours. <laughs> uh, so he worked on, uh, he's credited for uh, Fight Night Round 2, but his the extent of his involvement was uh, that you could unlock Super Punch-Out in emulation on in Fight Night Round 2. And if you look in um, in the ROM files, you'll see the emulator is labeled Snestical. <gasps> Apparently... In a copyright 1997 to 2004. So apparently he was working on it the whole time. It was just never good enough to release. Like good enough for EA to shove onto the GameCube disc as a, as a token to replace online play. <laughs> which right. the GameCube lacked. Well, you, you know what it was? was uh, ZSNES had that little snow falling effect. There you go. And uh, he knew, he, knew he, could never, he could never beat it. Yep, I like SNES and then... 9x better for some reason hmm what kind of what kind of precipitation did that have uh i think none i think it was simpler that's why i think it is better at recording footage that's it you know that sounds familiar i know there was like some uh, forked version of it or something or plug-in that was used so far i do know it had some wrong sound effects in Mega Man x but almost everything does so oh yeah early days emulation like the, the Super Nintendo especially had problems where like uh, like a game would show a cloud layer on top of the gameplay and the emulator often wouldn't render it as properly transparent. So it was just like just all you could see were the clouds and you have to manually, manually toggle that layer. Yeah, I think I came in just after that where there were still problems, but nothing quite that drastic. Now, if you want to uh, still experience those problems, you can look at the modern N64 emulation scene. That is true. <laughs> I, I have heard things. Have they really still not figured out how to do Saturn? I think Saturn might, emulation might be better than N64 these days. Huh. I think with N64, the documentation was just like not there as part right. of it. And there's like lots of pretty much every game was people hacking things together and figuring out their own low-level solutions to things. <laughs> that sounds right, yeah. And I know Rare in particular like did some stuff to get around like texture limitations, which was like the big one of the big Achilles heels of the 64. So like all those late generation games have trouble emulating. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I was just gonna say all this talk of programming, I remembered the thing I was trying to remember like an hour ago, which was the Arduino was the circuit board thingy ah, that they're using. Yes, excellent. Yeah. Sorry. And yeah, speaking of like edgelordy video game humor, I mean, you wrote an article a couple years ago, right? About all the 9-11 games on Newgrounds. I'm very proud. Of, that's the only good thing I've ever written. <laughs> oh, I want to read this. Interest, it's it's on Medium. I think it's just it was for uh, Zeal Magazine... Um, which was, uh, what are their names? Jay Bearhat and uh, Merritt Copas before, uh, I don't remember. Um, I don't know if it's still going, but it, it was like a medium magazine. And it was just called Flash Games after 9-11. And it sort of inventories sort of shock value cartoons shortly before and for a while after 9-11. And I am proud of my work. And I got to make a lot of little gifs of... Uh, of terrible flash things of like Oprah getting a plane flown into her and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I remember when you were working on that. That was, that was fun to see the research. It's uh Stuart Lee has a, an essay about writing where he says that um, he goes into every project uh, trying to get fired and that helps him produce <laughs> his best work, which I think Jim, you might, you might uh, empathize with. And uh, that, that's, that's a powerful idea. Yeah. Because you're, you're more likely to write something interesting that way. Yep. Uh, Newgrounds, new that's a topic on its own. It, you know, <laughs> it, sure it, it was interesting because I, I wrote to um, Tom Fulp, the Newgrounds founder, about uh, one of the games he'd made that was like, it's like a Guantanamo Bay virtual pet, bringing us back again, uh, <laughs> where you would like alternately torture and heal people. I think there was also, 
There were a lot of those. There was also one where you could do that to Osama bin Laden specifically. But um, the the Newgrounds founder had done a game like that. And I sort of emailed him asking, like, you, you know, like, do you have any thoughts about this in, like, the modern day? And he, he wrote, like, a, a very thoughtful, very insightful, like, piece. But I think I kind of gave him the impression that I was writing this as, like, these people are monsters. Which, like, it's 20, <laughs> even if they are, like, it's 20 years ago, everyone changes. And so, like, I don't think he ever read the article. And <laughs> I think he might have sort of, like, gone to bed that night sort of feeling like, ah, oh, now someone's going to be writing mean things about me. I'm sad now. And I, I feel bad about that because I, I was genuinely, like, moved by what he'd written. Sort of about, like, his feelings at the time and now. Thoughtful guy. Yeah, seems, yeah. seems nice. Seems nice. Another San Diego resident. New Grounds headquarters oh, yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's neat. Yeah, I've, I've seen uh, the Behemoth had a booth at Comic-Con and pretty often. I remember when all they had was uh, Alien Hominid. The right. first game, and uh, they saw the copy of GameCube, but I, I wish there was a, an arcade cabinet of that. It would have been great, like right next to uh, Metal Slug at like the laundromat. We have Metal Slug 3 at our local laundromat. It's great. X was the one I played in college a lot, so partial to that one. That's the one where Nadia's like, you're not strong enough to defeat Sigma yet. And then Rolf and Clark have to, no, that's not, that's a different <laughs> game. That's Metal Slug X5, right? <laughs> or, X, or X6. No. Ouch. <laughs> Just thinking about X6 makes me sad. So what, what would you say is uh, someone making games today who carries on the Bloodlust software ethos? <laughs> They're probably well, still working on Newgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> At least for another four months. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's a good question. Like, I, I think of, I, I think there's a streak in even AAA games of like people who think that really edgy violence is cool. The Last of Us Two available now from favorite retailer. Right. right. Well, that's, that's <laughs> taking that same idea, but like, but also saying this is bad and important. Yeah. Yeah, you know right. what? You can say one thing for like shock value stuff in the 90s. At least they had a sense of humor about it. Like it wasn't yeah. like I'm shocking you for a reason, even if they were doing it for a reason. Like I guess Marilyn Manson sort of had a stick at his ass about it. But like like other Bloodless Software, sense of humor about it. Bless him. I mean, it's that same impulse. I think they were they were high school kids. It's that same impulse of drawing like army men murdering each other all over your your mead notebook. Yeah, it's fun in the same way that, like, a butt pooping is fun. Like, it'll never not be funny <laughs> to see a little doodle of a butt pooping. But, like, I wouldn't want to play a game where a butt poops and then, like, one of the actors, uh, Norman Reedus, like, glares at the camera and says, like, this is this is because my mother never hugged me. <laughs> Ethan Petty made, I think it's out, I think it's released, another game as a side project using his old art style, but in like HD resolution, which is very strange to see <laughs> uh, called not the knobbly crook. And I think it's a point and click adventure, hmm. which is a much better way to showcase an art style than like, uh, than an action game, I think. Yeah. But like, I'm looking at screenshots right now and it's real gross looking. There's like lots of detail. In exactly the kind of way you want. <laughs> None of the ones that are coming up for me are like particularly bloody or anything, but it has kind of that Giger-esque detail where there's just a lot of ridges. And and it, it's very evocative of like biology and like gross innards. Right. Yeah, there's some anvil antelope thing here. And with the, uh, the people are just like really like gross faces, like. And that, that is partly, like, leaning into, like, not being a good artist, I think. <laughs> I, can, I can see that, that, that kind of, those kind of hollow stairs. Yeah. Oh, it's free. It's a free-to-play game. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of uh, when Nidog 2 was announced. Oh, yeah. And, and they changed the art style on that. Right, yeah, that was a... Uh, well, that, I think those were both successfully very gross styles. Both Nidhogs. Yeah. Well, the first one was kind of gross, but it was more abstract. 
Right. That have, that have the Atari kind of look to it. Right. Thinking of abstract gross outs just has me wanting to design like a like a tasteful logo that is still just a butt pooping. <laughs> just see how abstract I can get. Just three circles. I think lots of people have succeeded at that uh, accidentally. <laughs> uh, right. And then go on blast for it. All right. So if we if we hurry, we can do this next topic before we run out of time. Not a butt face asks Marble Hornets sex tape, i.e. a found footage style web series, but the footage being sifted through is on sex tapes and just out of frame or partially obscured is a lurking unknown creature. Could this ever work? <laughs> uh, the creature is me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's It's been done. John's been doing this for the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Look, look at the first letter of my last 4,000 tweets. <laughs> Acrostics, an ARG classic. <laughs> I, I think the challenge is going to be that um, you're having people sort of simultaneously inhabit a realm of arousal and terror. And uh, in my experience, that only ends up creating weird fetishes down the line. Well, you be sure not to show these sex tapes to children then. Oh, I, oh, absolutely. I never really got into the first, the actual Marvel Hornets. But I yeah. have seen, but I have seen Sex House from The Onion. So, oh my gosh, that's a classic. <laughs> is is that a a porn horror movie? Sort of. It's sort of a takeoff on all every real world slash Big Brother type reality show. Okay. Where sometimes it seems like the pre- it's mostly a thinly veiled excuse half the time for some of the contestants to fuck. I was hoping it was a uh, satirizing Doom House. Wait, we, we've had enough satires of Doomhouse. <laughs> okay, all right. I've, I've heard the name Doomhouse. I'm, I'm forgetting what Doomhouse was, refreshing my memory. Uh, it, was, it was itself a satire of horror movies made by the, the uh, Something Awful folks in right. like the early 2000s. And I remember at the time thinking it was very funny. I'm not sure I would now. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. But, but Sex House, the premise was that kind of show... And then things get weird. Okay. And the Onion did a couple other. The Onion did a couple other series. I like will that. stand by Porkin Across America being one of the one of the best things the Onion ever produced. Yeah, that one is pretty funny. And Lake Dredge Appraisal is funnier in a quieter way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Doctor Good was the other one, I think. Never saw that one. It was like a Doctor Oz thing, but like one of them was named Doctor Tannis, and he's clearly just the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Good Rosemary's baby reference. There. It's amazing. <laughs> so, so is the home. idea that like the um the Slenderman character like is the 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 cameraman, and you just sometimes see this monster cameraman like in a mirror, and these people aren't even aware that they're being filmed. How 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 would we direct such a such a project? I mean, I think to make it happen, you would need to find people who are already going to make a sex tape. And then offer to be in the background in your horrible costume. You know that I had been thinking like, oh, it would be like a like pornographic actors, but like Marble Hornets wasn't really like professionals either. So yeah, maybe it should just be amateur, like just some random person who's like, yeah, I could do it. I guess Marble Hornets was always basically the same people, so it could just be. This would be a little bit disappointing. I think. I think the the open-endedness of the question kind of makes your mind race with ideas and so it would be a little bit disappointing but the easiest way to do it would be to have a sex tape with the same couple every time like a series oh yeah i i am not familiar with with pornography as a concept let alone the terminology i think it's gonzo where you just have uh-huh, a camera rolling right. uh but it it's like it, it's usually the same couple but like as it goes through you sort of like the um what is it? The, the Folgers coffee ads that Anthony Stewart head was on where like it sort of catalogs the relationship and like the ups and downs of this couple. And like maybe one one day, like it seems like they're they're going through some trouble and they're just sort of trying to intimately work through their problems. And it clearly doesn't satisfy either of them. And then next week, there's like someone else and like one of them is just cheating. And the other one, like when they come <laughs> back, like they're not even aware of this other video. I, I I'm moved by this, and it doesn't even exist. I think it's really powerful. <laughs> yeah. The other way to do it, 
which might be easier is just wait for uh, wait for neural networks to get smart enough to be able to insert Slender Man into every movie. <laughs> Another way might be uh, just take House of Leaves and write an erotic parody of it. Uh-huh. And wait for do it. Wait, wait for the internet to get excited and and reenact it. Can I can I there pitch a go. title for House of Leaves pornographic parody? Sure, please. House House of Comes instead of Leaves. Uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm not sorry to you. I'm sorry to my mom, <laughs> who's definitely going to be listening to this episode. I, I will forward it to every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. Fantastic. No, don't it's worry. It's been an will, honor and a privilege. I will edit edit it so that the um, as soon as you say House of Comes, it cuts right to me saying, oh, that's all the time we have. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a bit shaggier than last time. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, I'm told I have fault. a way of distracting. Okay, good. <laughs> no, this is good. I mean, I like as the host, I let it go on. My for way yeah. too long on purpose, so there we we got to some places in there. I know, and it took, we sure did. It took some time, but we got there. <laughs> uh, Abby, Excellent. if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I am on Twitter at uh, m i z a b i t h a Ms. Abitha, um, and uh, Abby Denton. Oh, I didn't know how to pronounce oh. that. Well, it's a fake name anyway. Abby's my middle name in real life. That's fair. Yeah. Although apparent, I think actual people actually named Abitha pronounce it Abitha. I think I've only met one. Who knows? And abbydenton.podbean.com has uh, my sitcom uh, Cyber Cafe that I recommend. I'm pretty proud of uh, my work on it. Uh, has Hollywood Steve from uh, the Yacht Rock show and podcast uh, stars as a brain in a jar who works at a coffee shop. Excellent. And John, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Hey, if you listened to the last episode, you already heard I'm at world so-and-so on Twitter. That's where I do most of my stuff. None of it is really an active, creative endeavor that you can follow, <laughs> except in the sense that my own life is uh, its own sort of magnum opus. <laughs> so follow me there. If, That's what we like to hear. If you, if you love or hate me, follow me there. Can I interest you in the services of an art critic in, in the magnum opus of your life? <laughs> sure. Because I'd, I'd give it a B plus. That sounds about right. <laughs> also, you, you, have, you have an upcoming work, which is to find the Yoda Furby and the, what was it? The, the Mogwai Furby? Yeah, the Gizmo Furby. Furby. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll put that on my ancient YouTube channel if I ever manage to. Uh... And make them kiss. <laughs> I will, do, I will do that sometime. All right, thanks so much for being on Topic Lords. Thank you. It's been an honor. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. You can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode.